0: Part Four, Chapter Twenty Nine of Martin Schuler by Romer Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Part Four, Schwarzwald, Chapter Twenty Nine. He drove straight to the house of the Countess von Ardstein. She was fortunately in. My dear, she cried as he ran to embrace her. How delightful to see you! How ill you look i do not feel ill answered martin kissing her again i have come to tell you good news for some reason unknown to herself she was startled she put up her hand in apprehension and stood for a second held by a fear what is it she asked and looked around at an old family portrait for the sake of companionship martin unbuttoned his greatcoat with the astrakhan collar and from the inner breast pocket produced the tidy packet of white papers his heart seemed to dance all over him as he held it out to her she did not take it but looked at him he appeared to be laughing take it he said it is the idea of my new opera it is ancient and new and sacred to me the countess understood why she had been frightened the news was evidently something out of the way and terrifying it is yours for twenty-four hours he said at the end of that time i am going back to my home up till then, his house in the Black Forest had never been considered as a home. She untied the string, staring at him, and repeated twice, My dearest, don't lose the leaves of the written portion. I have a very great sentiment about it. Martin evidently did not consider the notation of the music as written. Countess von Ardstein burst into tears. She had no reason for crying, except a sensation of amazement. Martin had never had a very great sentiment about anything before that however was not what caused her to weep but she remarked it the room seemed filled with a peculiar kind of smoke and a soundless vibration hit against her ears as of one shouting so slowly as to cause no actual noise she had the same feeling as a distant spectator suffers between the sight of an axe striking upon a tree and the hearing of the sound of the blow she took a lace handkerchief out of a flowered ribbon bag and wiped her thin nose her lorgnon caught in her sleeve as she raised her arm and tore off a bit of a lace frill she looked very old suddenly to martin at least seventy years old and he on the contrary felt eighteen what is the matter he said tenderly my dear boy answered the countess with a vulgar sniff i do not know i think you are extraordinary last time i saw you with your mistress you were a gay man of the world i could have some fun with you now my dear lad you remind one of a genius the countess had not to her knowledge seen a genius but she spoke as if they were a class which she inspected from time to time well read it said martin after a minute in some irritation even if you sit up all night and afterwards speak to nobody of it unless it is to hirchner read it get somebody to play it play it yourself i am going to sophie to-morrow night at this time i will call for it he disappeared countess von ardstein sat up all night obediently Martin himself went to Sophie's house. She was giving a dinner party. He ordered the servant to show him into the dining room. There, everybody sat feasting. Several people rose as he entered and cried, "Hoch! There is Martin Schuler!" Sophie, whose back was towards the door, jumped up in a passion of irrational fright. Martin, still buttoned up in his greatcoat, came a step into the room. Sophie put down her napkin and, with the other hand, pulled the skirt of her dress a little out of the way of her feet and with a graceful and sudden movement ran towards him and put her arm around his neck she kissed him and began to purr over him you delicious creature he murmured her physical movements always enraptured him what are you doing here she asked what he led her to the table and taking the chair next to her which had been vacated by a charming young man of twenty sat down beside her and held her hands i have come to berlin for one night he answered how pale you are she said looking at his face still frightened why you are completely changed the look in your eyes is quite changed my dearest martin i do not believe that is your name the young man who had vacated the chair and who was standing behind it leaned a little forward and said it is nice to see you again herr Schuler. berlin has lost something by your departure martin looked up at him and the young man felt extremely foolish and small the look of openness and power in Schuler's face made him take a step back. Zofie pressed his hands and asked him whether he was glad to see her, and he whispered that he would be glad to see her alone. By some means she made a sign to Count von Hansen and got him to whisper to the guests that their early departure would be tactful. As dinner was at an end, they rose and silently went out of the room. Zofie began to tremble and said, What is it, Martin, what is it? nothing said martin taking her in his arms i want you i am never coming back to berlin i am going to work at my villa i am probably going to work for years you will come to me when you feel inclined will you not sophie stroked his face and kissed him she was not frightened of him any longer the renewal of their former relationship had taken away her fear on the contrary she felt that he was making a demand upon her and asking something that he was half afraid he would not get like many women whose minds are not very great she imagined that persons who asked things of her were less than she my dear she said therefore i will always be near you when you want me he fell asleep but sophie the melodramatic fright of the evening having been dissipated now for the first time completely ceased to fear martin and with the end of her fear came the end of her passion she was not addicted to looking after little boys the sentiments attached to the thoughts of being the faithful mistress of the strange man beside her were strong enough however to make her willing to go to that villa in the forest and look after him from time to time the compensating joy of proprietorship almost made up for the lost joy of being passionately desired thus sophie approached as near as she was able to the tranquil pleasures of marriage the next day martin ordered her to come with him to the black forest in the evening they got in his car and drove to the house of the Countess von Ardstein. Martin left Sophie outside and ran upstairs in his overcoat without a hat, as he had done the evening before. The Countess was in. She looked as if she had been crying all night. He went up to her and, feeling extremely uneasy, said, Well? and put out his hand. She put out her hands and, gathering herself together, went up to him and shook her head in amazement he laughed and repeated well she went back to a table and took the papers out of a drawer they were still in immaculate order she seemed to be trying to speak he had never seen her moved with feeling before he was very self-conscious he took the papers from her and buttoned them in his coat to the countess five minutes seemed to have elapsed since he gave them to her he put a bitter expression on his face and said with a cynical smile well are they not good do not ask said the countess making a pitiful face at him and again turning away he walked after her and took her by the shoulders you know he cried roughly turning her around i command you to speak to me wonderful she gasped he took her in his arms and kissed her a thousand times i trust you he said and left her he went away without turning back and she stood in the middle of the room dumbfounded with her good fortune End of part four, chapter 29, recording by expatriate in Bangor, Maine.